a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, we've been hearing a lot lately about forgiving student loans. Starting at 10000 50000 what's the number? Isn't there a better way to tackle the student loan crisis than just flat out forgiving the debt? President Biden's pledge to forgive some student loans has some people absolutely thrilled and over the moon and some people absolutely furious. But here's the think again moment. Are we missing an opportunity to address the cause of rising college costs, especially when it comes to those students who take a non-traditional route? Preston Cooper's a research fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. A great piece in the National Review uh, with uh, Preston and, of course, our friend Shoshana Weissman talking about how occupational licensing contributes to the student loan crisis. And he joins us to break all of that down. Preston, thanks for jumping on with us today. Thanks for having me back, Boyd. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. So let's break this down for a little bit. To most people, when we think about uh, student loan payments, uh, we're thinking of those uh, going traditional route, traditional colleges and university. Uh, but you make the case that, that there's a major problem uh, when it comes to these kinds of loans uh, for those who go the non-traditional route or the trade route. Tell us about it. Thanks, Boyd. So as you mentioned, there's a lot of talk about student loan forgiveness right now and problems that people are having with repaying their student loans. But I would argue that one of the best ways to solve student loan problems is to uh, get rid of some of the reasons that people have to take on student debt in the first place. And nowhere is this clearer than in cosmetology school. So in order to practice as a cosmetologist, that's a barber or hairstylist or hair braider, manicurist in pretty much every single state, you need to get a license. And to get that license, you need to take a course. And this course can last up to uh, over a year. Um, at the end of the course, you'll get a certificate, which will enable you to get that license. But that certificate, the cost of tuition can be over $10,000. And so we see that people are taking on ten, twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000 in debt just to get this uh, certificate for one year. And what's really shocking about it is that uh, new research uh, by the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity, where I work, shows that this uh, investment often does not pay off. That usually the uh, boost in earnings that you get from having gotten that certificate is not enough to justify the cost. And so this leaves a lot of people with debt that they cannot afford to repay. 
Uh, that's, that's such a critical thing. And, and obviously, uh, with, uh, cosmetology, that's, that's one space. So we've often talked about that just in terms of what kind of degrees people are getting from traditional colleges and universities that also, uh, aren't going to pay off in the end, uh, or be even have someone positioned to be able to pay them off, uh, over time. Uh, but as you focus on this in this article, Preston, uh, you, you talk about why this, uh, why this is. We've done some reform here in the state of Utah. Utah in terms of some of that licensing with the cosmetology, hair braiding, some of those kinds of things. Uh, what else needs to be done to change that dynamic so that even those who are going these non-traditional routes uh, are not ending up with debt that they can just never repay? Well, as you mentioned, I think that uh, states need to take a hard look at whether all of the licensing laws that they have on the books are these licensing laws really promoting public safety or are they just serving as a barrier to entry for people who want to practice a profession, who want to practice a trade, putting new requirements on people to take on student debt to uh, get a certificate that they may not need to uh, practice that trade in order to uh, get a better life, in order to uh, practice, uh, uh, in order to practice a, a well-paying job. And so that's that's one of the things that uh, that we can do is take a look at this at the state level and make sure, like Utah, uh, that we're getting rid of uh, licensing laws that are just not necessary. But I think also there's stuff we can do at the federal level. And I wish that uh, the Biden administration would spend a little bit more time on this saying, you know, we're lending out $90 billion in student loans per year. Is all of that debt actually going to finance uh, programs that are providing their graduates with a good return on investment? Often the answer is no, especially in the case of cosmetology programs. And I do wonder that if the federal government takes a, uh, takes action to uh, rein in the uh, federal subsidies for some of these cosmetology programs, whether that might force some states to say, hey, you know, if the federal government is no longer going to subsidize our licensing regimes, maybe we're going to have to get rid of some of these licensing laws that we really don't need. Yeah, and so let's let's dig into that just a little bit more and, and some of the downstream impact. Uh, one of the things that you point out uh, is the impact these kinds of licensing requirements have. Sometimes it's a barrier to entry. Does it really keep people more safe? Does it create a, a barrier that's keeping uh, a lot of immigrants, a lot of women out of finding work in whatever profession it may be? So are we just creating a, a set of barriers that, again, even if someone goes through the process, they may end up with so, so much debt that they're going to carry that with them the rest of their lives? That's right. There really seems to be a misalignment with what some of these cosmetology programs are teaching and the actual cosmetology services that, uh, you know, people in the beauty industry need to be proficient in. So take, for example, hair braiding. You know, this is a, a skill that is often, uh, practiced by immigrant communities, often passed down from, from generation to generation going back, uh, God knows how long. And so we see that in order to practice hair braiding, in order to set up a shop and, uh, and, and braid hair for money, You'll have to get a cosmetology license, even though many of these licenses, these licensing courses don't actually teach hair braiding. So there really seems to be a misalignment with uh, the skills they're teaching and what uh, what what uh, the skills that people actually need to uh, succeed in the beauty industry. And I, I think that this really is serving more as a barrier to entry than something that's actually enhancing uh, opportunity for people who uh, who want to work in these fields. Yeah, then Preston, give us some perspective in terms of, you know, if we get rid of some of these requirements, is that going to cause these kinds of, of schools of, of all kinds to, to change their tune, to lower tuition, to create different models? Uh, how would that downstream impact be? That's a great question. So right now, 
you know, if the um, if you have to get a license and you have to take a course in order to practice uh, in your profession, you know, the school is not really going to have any incentive to actually try to attract students with a with good courses, because if the students have to go through your school in order to practice their profession, they don't have a choice in the matter. But if we were to get rid of some of these licensing laws and make it so that, you know, school is going to be a choice rather than a requirement, then some of these schools might start to say, hey, you know, if we want to retain students, we're going to have to completely revamp our curriculum to be more in line with uh, the skills that people actually need to learn. We're going to have to increase the quality of our education. We're going to have to lower our prices so that it doesn't cost $10,000 just to get a certificate uh, to practice cosmetology. I think that, you know, if we get rid of these licensing requirements, the incentives for uh, schools will be much better. And I think that uh, both uh the students and uh, the higher education system will be all the all the stronger for it. Yeah, and I think there are so many uh, arguments to be made there in terms of this uh, student loan situation. We have those who who have gone into the trade professions and maybe invested in a truck or a set of tools uh, to to work as a contractor or in plumbing or whatever it might be, uh, and no one's talking about reimbursing them. You know, for for kind of their apprenticeships and their on the job training. Uh, and so I, I think there's so many other ways we can get at this. And I, I think the the last thing I'll have you weigh in on, Preston. Uh, Mia Love, former representative here in the state of Utah, had a, a great bill called No Before You Go uh, that would require uh, all of these colleges, whether it's a traditional university or college or whether it's one of these trade professions, to really have a disclosure document that really shows this is what you're going to get and this is what it will mean in terms of your lifetime earnings. Here's the investment and here's the risk. Uh, can we get to something like that uh, as it relates to all of this? And would that change the game uh, for a lot of those that are facing that just crushing student loan debt? I think that that is an absolutely fantastic idea. So right now, if you take on a mortgage, you know, you're required, your bank is required by law to present you with a standardized form that tells you exactly how much your payments are going to be, exactly how much you're going to pay in interest and so on and so forth. But if you go to take on a federal student loan, there's none of those requirements. And so we see that sometimes students are flying blind when it comes to higher education. They're not entirely clear on how much debt they're taking on. This this debt is being forced onto them uh, by colleges and by the federal government in some cases without uh, real transparency about how much uh, how much debt is actually uh, being taken on here. And then, of course, there's very little transparency about the benefits of higher education. You know, what are what are the you actually going to earn after you graduate? Uh, what is your probability of graduating in the first place? You know, these are things that students need to know in order to make informed decisions about uh, higher education. And I'm glad that there seems to be some uh, bipartisan interest in uh, improving that kind of transparency, because as of right now, it certainly is not enough. Uh, fantastic. Preston Cooper, research fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. Great insight uh, on this uh, issue of student loan and student loan debt. Uh, so many important conversations that we hope we can have both in the state and also across the country and in our nation's capital. Uh, this is an area where change is possible. We just have to have the will and the leadership to make it happen. Preston, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Well, this week has been a great week. I had the opportunity to have an extraordinary interview with Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints back in Washington, D.C. during the open house for the Washington, D.C. Temple. Uh, there was so much great content. We're going to come back to it and share with you the rest of my interview on some very important principles that apply to all of us. Stay with us. Coming up next on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. 
a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.